Somebody shout, walk it. So we're in week two of a journey that we started last week. Uh, It wasn't like a one and done. I felt the Holy Spirit say, let's go a couple weeks. So I am simply staying on that continuum today, and I'm sharing some of what the Lord had given me the week prior that I will finish today, and just some fresh manna. Somebody shout fresh manna that the Lord has given me in the last couple days just to share with you. So I'm excited about the journey that we're on today. And I'm excited because last week we learned that sometimes for us to move forward to where we need to be, we have to do what, church? We have to go back to where we used to be. Who has been saved long enough to look back on your life and say, God has delivered me out of some stuff? Who, who has lived life long enough, and for some of us that could just be a month, that you can go back and you know this much, you don't want to go back to where you used to be. Thank God you aren't where you used to be, but you have also reflected on that journey with praise and with worship and with adoration unto the Lord to say, thank God he rescued me from a pit. Amen? So that's kind of where we're at today. And in, in, in Paul's report, we, we remember that he's writing out of this dark prison in Rome. And in Paul's report in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul begins to give details about what was happening, I'm just going to say, in the BC moment of people's lives. Does anybody remember your before Christ moment? I know you're living in the AD now. You're in the after Christ. Many of you have experienced him. But Paul begins to write to them, these individuals in Ephesians, about some of their before Christ moments, and he begins to outline some of their past experiences. Now, who's thankful that there's not a big outline up here, a detailed outline on all your before Christ moments? Who would say, if that were the case, Ty, shut the screen off. You know, you might have some of those. I know I have some of those in my life that I don't necessarily want it flashed on a screen. Yet Paul was very detailed, vivid detail in Ephesians chapter 2 about what was happening. Now, Paul does not list names. He gives some backstory about what was going on. He didn't say this brother this and this sister this. But who knows if Paul were to list names under the unction of the Spirit Even looking forwardly to Brian Kitchen's life, he could have included my name. Some of you are like, wow, Brian, what have you done? Same thing you've done. Same stuff listed in Ephesians 2. This wasn't just a group back here that was stuck. Everyone who has come to Christ has been stuck somewhere. And they needed God's help. And we're thankful that he didn't list names. But all of us in the room that are mature enough knows that Paul could have listed mine. I would have been in that group. You say, well, Brian, what's happening in Ephesians that is so detailed? Well, let's go to Ephesians 2, 3, and let's look back where we were last week. This is what Paul said, among whom also we all once. Did you know that you're included in the all? You're like, oh, no, that was the Gentiles back there, Brian. No, that's the Gentiles right now. Among whom also we all once conducted, you you did this. We all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Remember that that doesn't just say the lust, the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Some of you are like, this is too detailed for me. This is what we've done. And we're by nature children of wrath. Now, who just doesn't want to wear that on your t-shirt? What are you, just child of wrath? No, but he's, that's, that's who you were by nature, just as the others. Now, I'm not here to condemn the others, are you? I am not here to become pious and prideful about where I am right now in Christ. I know this, sometimes you have to go back to move forward in God. I can testify in this. I'm just thankful I'm not what I was, what I used to be, Amen. I'm thankful that the Lord is moving me to new dimensions in him, new areas of understanding. Shall I say this? New dimensions of holiness in him. I'm thankful for that this morning. We talked about this out of Ephesians 2, 3 last week, that we don't want the old man to creep into the new cadence. Some of you, that's right. That's right, we don't. 
Who's ever been walking along, loving the Lord, and all of a sudden you feel the old man visit you? Has anybody in the room ever had a visitation from the old man? It's like I'm walking this thing. I'm in him. He is in me. I've said it before. I went to Sunday morning. I went to life group. I went to the church barbecue. I went to men's camp. But for some reason, I feel the old man, or shall we say the old woman, creeping into this thing. Who's ever had a visitation from your past? Your mouth was cleaned up. It's been cleaned up. Oh, oh, old man. Your thought process, you had really begun to move into a new dimension with God. You kind of put gossip on the shelf. Oh, oh, old woman. I feel some of these things creeping back in my life. And what we learned last week is sometimes the old man tries to creep into the new cadence. Amen? Sometimes we forget that the lusts of the flesh that are lodged into the desires of the mind that we learned that our feet and our hands will follow what the mind has thought. Some of you are like, how'd you figure this out? This is the word. Did you know you don't fall into anything? Oh, I fell into sin. No, you didn't. You thought about it. I just kind of fell into the pit of the, 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 the mire, the muck. No, no, you didn't. You thought about it. You pondered it. If you believe the Holy Spirit even said, stop thinking that way. There's a better plan, but you thought about it long enough. It started in your mind. The old man creeps into the new cadence. And I want to share this with you today. Your greatest strategy and one of your greatest tactics in Christ to defeat the battle that is going on in your mind is the renewal of your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, renew your mind. That's not judgmental. This is what scriptures say. This is what scripture says. Now, let's use parents for an example. Let's say, are there any students that are very thankful that finals are over? I'm shouting amen for every student that is in this room. And what happens with finals is you've got this test. You're going to be tested, certain criteria, certain content. So you study and you study and you study or you should and you study for it, you study for it, but it's a difficult class. So if one of my kids came in pre-final and said, I'm going to fail this thing, I'm not going to be like, cool, awesome, don't study. You know what I'm going to say? Renew your mind. What are some things that we can do? There's no way I'm going to get it. There's no way. It's too late now. It's to, the test is tomorrow. Have you ever said this as a parent? Okay, well, what are you doing right now? That could be a variety of things. I don't know what it looks like at your house. I could be playing video games. I could be, I could be uh, looking at baseball content. I could be this. I could be that. I could be making, I could be making uh, slime. Um, there's a lot of things that we do at our house. But, but, okay, you have the test coming up. So what I will do with kids, the same thing you do as grandparents, you would say, oh, no, you're not going to fail it. But what are some things that we can do? Amen? So we renew our mind. Wouldn't it be the same way with spiritual finals that we have? Wouldn't be the same way with Father God. This thing's really coming down the chute here, Lord. It's stressful. It's a big temptation. I know I'm going to fail it. God's not like, cool. You didn't get a thumbs up from God. Don't study. He would say, and has said in his word, press into this thing. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says it very well. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the byproduct of what happens when you're not trans or conformed to the world and transformed, but transformed by the renewal of your mind, this is what will happen. This is the second part of Romans 12, too. That you may prove, now there's a proving ground, what will happen? What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Did you know that God has for you a good, acceptable, and a perfect plan and will for your life? And did you know that it comes via not being conformed to the world, but transformed, not God saying, I'm going to put a new mind in you. He says, you're going to have to renew the one you have. Somebody shout, that's difficult. In other words, through Christ, very important clause right there, through Christ, I have the ability of renewing my thought process. Brian, I, you must, but I don't. I just, I keep trying to renew my mind and I can't. Through Christ, 
Not through a self-help book that I read. Not even through another saint that says, hey, you should try this, you should try. Through Christ, I have the ability of changing my thought process. And the church shouted, amen. Because who's ever needed their thought processes changed? I've met so many people throughout my life, and and I am not in any way saying that there is not help that we need in certain moments in our life, because there is. And I'm not downgrading that. I am saying this, get the help that you need. Amen? But here's the reality. I do believe that we spend all types of resources, all types of, of time, in hopes of getting better, having never got into this thing and started wrestling with it, memorizing it, and applying it to our area of conflict and our issue, and shall I say this morning, sometimes our sin. So sometimes we're hung up on, I don't have enough money to continue this. I don't have enough resource. I want to say it shouldn't be the last ditch effort. Try this from the beginning and see how far you get. How many have learned that in Christ you can get pretty far if you will renew your thought process? I've got to reach for what I believe is the greater resource for these thought patterns to change in my life. So some of us have tried many things and we're like, it's so strange, Brian, because my feet keep coming to the same place. It's amazing. I'm spending on this money. I'm supposed to be getting all this help. I mean, I'm reading the word occasionally, but my feet keep taking me to the same place and my hands are still stuck doing the same thing. Okay, let me give you some help this morning. Your hands and feet will never do what the mind has not rehearsed. So don't try to fix your hand and feet. Try to fix your mind through Christ working in you. Does that preach good this morning? That is the word of God. Sometimes we try to fix the pattern. It's like, I feel so bad because my feet and my hands are taking me into the same deal. Look about at what your mind is rehearsing and ask for God's help. I'm just telling you this morning, and, I, and I'm talking to myself, it's not coincidence that you're in the spot that you're in. Now, do we go through things at times? Yes. Who's ever been through testing? By a show of hands, who has ever failed one? I'll stop there. It's like I've, I failed the test. Sometimes we're walking through something and we're tested and we pass the test. Let me ask by a show of hands, who has, who has passed one test? What feels better, failing or passing? Yes. So we want to pass more tests, what do we do? We renew our mind. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, a few verses here, verses 4 through 6. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. Does anyone in the room believe that God is rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, and, and I should say, if we, if we detail that word, that trespass would be sin. Sometimes we think we're just trespassing on a territory we shouldn't be in, but that trespass, the, the weighty word to that is sin. We were dead in our sins, but he made us alive. He quickened. We learned last week, he quickened us. He made us alive together with Christ by grace. Somebody in the room shout grace. You have been saved. Is anyone thankful for grace today? More to come on that, verse six. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love the two words. I could do a whole sermon on it that would be applicable to my own life. I love the first two words of verse four, Ephesians two, verse four. It says, but God. Can you just shout with me, but God? These two words, but God, I don't know about you, but they connect where I used to be looking forward to where I need to be. Does that resonate with anybody in here? Yes, I can look forward. I'm thankful to where I'm at today. I'm like you. I like to pass most tests, although being candid and honest, I don't pass all of them, but I like the feeling of it. But here's the deal. This but God moment connects my past to my future. Is anyone thankful for a but God moment in your life? Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, comma, who is rich in mercy. 
Love this verse. There are a lot of things, and I'm not asking you to make a long list uh, this week. I'm not asking you to look at all of the stuff and all the intricate details and, and all the nonsense and wickedness and darkness that were connected to some of these things. But when I look at it in my own life, there are a lot of things that have transpired between my back there moment and my right here moment. What about you? Who can think of a few things? So as I'm walking through this in my own life, Ephesians 2, 4 says this, but God who is rich in love and mercy. I'm very thankful that that is part of God's riches because this guy needs a lot of love and mercy. What about you? I'm thankful for that but God moment. I'm thankful that when I was dead in my sins, the Bible says he has raised me up But it didn't just say when you were dead in your sins and trespasses, Brian, I have raised you up. It says, I have raised you up together with Christ. Can somebody shout, but God? Thankful for that but God moment. I I don't know about you. I can only speak to myself on some of these things. I don't deserve to be identified with God. But God. I mean, who would jump up here right now and say, if you, feel, if you feel that you made it, I mean, out of your own effort, your own perfection, your own holiness, who would, who would be considered to be categorized with God? Nobody in this room would jump up and say, it's me. No, it's my butt. God moment. I don't know about you. I should have been. Don't feel sorry for me. You should have been punished for your own sins and transgressions, shouldn't you have? But God, I don't know if anybody's thankful for their but God moment. We might be thinking about barbecue tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Think about this for a moment. I should not have had, I don't know about you, I should not have had the opportunities, not opportunity, put it on this guy, the opportunity, put it on this guy, the multiple opportunities to repent. I should not have had that, but God, is there anybody in the room thankful for a but God moment? Others gave up on me. Can somebody in the room shout, but God, I almost gave up on myself, but God, I don't know where you're at in your life, where you're at in this journey you know what? Let's do this. If you've ever had a but God moment in your life that has launched you and propelled you out of your past into your future, can you stand to your feet right now and for 15 seconds, praise the Lord. Let's start there. If you've ever had a but God moment, I once was lost, but God, I don't know what it looks like for you, church. I I had lost my sense of direction, but God, I was hopeless on every side, not just in front of me, all around me, but God, I couldn't find a place where I fit in. Some of this you, I identified with. I struggled to get out of bed in the morning, but God, I almost lost my marriage for somebody online, but God, I almost lost my mind, but God. Father, we thank you this morning standing right here under the auspice of your word. We thank you for the but God in our life in our moment. We thank you that you have not just kind of coached us out of this pit, Lord. Oh, you threw us a rope, God. You threw us a life preserver. I should still, we should still be stuck, Lord. But you who are so rich in mercy have brought us out. You have redeemed us. David said it well. You delivered my life from the pit. And to you, Lord who understands the background and the foreground of our life, we are eternally thankful for our but God moment. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Take a seat this morning, thank you. I can join the saints of God not always feeling very saintly, to be honest. Striving to be everything that he said I could be. Looking back only for means or traction to look forward and see how far I've come with a voice of confidence, or shall we say Godfidence, that erupts out of the center of my core that declares this this morning, and I hope you can declare the same thing. If God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? If God be for me, 
Who can be against me? Maybe you have not encountered or bumped into your but God moment. Maybe you have not been able to look back and see him pulling you out by grace and by his mercy. We pray that if if that is you today and you're in this building or online today, we pray that you have that but God moment even today. Amen, Merrimackites Church. We pray that you would not allow the moment to pass you by. Can you shout walk it with me? It's where your back there moment is pointing you into where you are today. And I can't give you vivid detail. I could in my own life, but I'm not going to do that. But I can tell you kind of what it looked like. Because this is where we are all in and of the same. This carnal, fleshly, bone, sinew, blood, veins that run through our body. It kind of looked like this for you. Your but God moment started with this. You were dead in your sins, weren't you? You had to admit it. This thing has fallen apart until I admit that I've got sin in my life that has separated me from the Father. Now, thankfully, God didn't keep you there because that process starts very condemning. God is not condemning you, but we are very self-condemning And if you've ever been in this moment, there will be a whole slew of people that will rise up and tell you how bad you are or why you shouldn't have this or how you. Now, those same people that are throwing those arrows have also been on the other side of it. So they haven't done everything right either. But it can feel really strange. But I was dead in my sin. But who's thankful that Christ woke you up? He quickened you. And that means this. That that isn't the picture of I was asleep and... No, it was that I was dead in my sins, like not breathing, like I had no life. I mean, I was physically alive, but spiritually dead. And he walked into the scene and he quickened me and he resurrected me. And and then this is the plan that he worked out, not just with me, but with you too. Some are, are still trying to reconcile this. He saved me by grace. We got one amen out of that one. Let's try it again. He saved me by grace. This is the struggle. This is the point of tension. Because some of us are still trying to wonder how much grace was applied to that. Let me say this. It was all his grace. At this point in the story, this has nothing to do with you other than you being willing to be cleaned up. Watch. God did not reconcile you this way. Okay, let's see. If Brian could get enough good points on the list where he's lived holier that would outweigh his, his bad stuff, like his unholy moments. You ever did that? Like I'm going for, you're going for an interview and they say, okay, here's the deal. Make a list of positives and a list of negatives. And if the list of the positives are better than the list of negatives, go for it. Who tried that and it, and it back bit you? Christ is not saying, okay, we're getting close there. That, that grace bucket is really, now, at this point, now you're holy enough for us to have conversation. No way. It was by his grace and by his grace alone at this moment in your life that saved you, sir. There were no good marks on your side. Wait, I'd been going to church and I read my Bible through for the year. That was not a good mark that now allowed him to have a conversation with you. You realized that you were a sinner. God quickened you and resurrected you and he saved you by grace and by grace alone. And I do believe, I do believe, let me, let me preface this and say this. I do believe that the grace of God cannot be sloppy, but I do believe that there is a sloppy grace and it is the grace of man. And it's something that we've defined That is not what scripture has defined. That being said, regardless of what your lens is, I'm going to tell you, it has never been and will never be works-based, and it was never a bunch of good check marks over on this side where your good outdid your bad, and that's why you entered in. You were lost in the pitfall of your sin, and Christ came in and resurrected you. Now, this is the amazing thing. He not only saves us by grace, but then he raises us up together in Christ. 
that means we all had our but God moment. We were all saved by grace, even those that are still trying to make it like a works thing. How do I earn it? You don't earn it. You accept what he's done for you. But when he raises us up together in Christ, it means he claims us. Is that not amazing to be claimed by God? I don't know if that's humbling for you. Like the master of universe, the one that hangs the rainbow in the air, the one that keeps the solar system and, and the systems and galaxies. The, you look up into the Milky Way and you see this and you see that. Um, I, I saw, I can't remember what, does anybody remember what planet is closely associated to the moon right now? Look at it at night right now. It's just bright in the sky. I looked it up and forgot what it was. That shows you where my mind is right now. I, I looked it up and, and I don't remember, but that guy, he has identified me with himself raise me up together through himself and God claims me. Now, you might not like my preaching. You might not like my leadership. You might not like my pineapple shirt today. You might not like my barbecue. You might not like my presentation. You might not like my family, but God claims me. So I wanna give this to you that the Bible says he raised us up together in Christ, but he doesn't just keep us there. And he says, okay, I'm going to claim you. The Bible says he then seats you in a heavenly place with Christ. Imagine that. If, if it weren't humbling enough to think I didn't deserve it. And he said, okay, I, I quickened you. I raised you up. He said, okay, now, now it's, it's not by your works. It's by my, by my grace. And I, I learned to understand that. And, and I've raised you up together with Christ. But then he said, I'm going to seat you together in heavenly places with Christ. Somebody shout upgrade. Like walk it. You know, thinking, have you ever been offered a better seat? I don't know if that ever happened. Sometimes, I don't know how, but sometimes I get ticket favor. Not like driving down the road too fast. But not too long ago, this is when Ty went to his first Cubs game at Bush Stadium. We were trying to get some bleacher tickets, and it's not always easy to get into a Cubs game. And somebody walked up to me. And they dropped on my desk two tickets to the Cub games, Cubs game, like, like right behind home plate type status, and said, hey, I thought you and your son might like these. I'm like, ticket favor. Thank you for your blessing, Lord. Who's ever had an upgrade? And you're sitting in a seat there's no way your resource could provide. He not only saved you by his grace, which you had to wrestle with, he not only helped you transform your mind, Romans 12, 2. He not only claimed you, he said, be seated with me in heavenly places with my father. Who knows? That's a big deal. I mean, this is what Christ does for us. It's what my life looked like. It's what your life looked like. Have you ever been just way up there in the nosebleeds where you can hardly see, but you're just thankful to be at the game? You're thankful to go drop $60 on food for two? You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we live this way. It's like, oh, God, it's, it's cool. I'll just, I'll just sit up here in, in a view where I'm kind of distant from you. I mean, I'm, I'm up here in the nosebleeds. I mean, at least, at least I got in the stadium. Folks, some of us have to understand, you couldn't get on the parking lot with God with your own works, much less in the stadium. You might be thinking of the Cardinal game, woohoo, I got in, it's Cubs game sitting at the top, I can see. But with God, you wouldn't even have made it into the nosebleeds on your own. With God, you couldn't have, who's ever walked up to that gate and the gates aren't quite open yet before the game? We're sometimes that family, especially if they're giving something away. So you'll kind of wait at the gate and, and the door's open and people are kind of trying to get in to, to get the price. You wouldn't even be standing at the gate based on your own works. God said, I saved you. 
I quickened you. I raised you up. I seated you with me. I'm not going to give you nosebleed spectator seats. I'm going to invite you as a joint heir with this thing. Let's go do this thing called life and ministry. Let's see what we sang about today. Let's see the kingdom of God come to earth, sir, and see what happens in your family. Let's see the kingdom of God come to earth and kiss your finances and see what it looks like. Some of you are like, that means a lot of money. No, sometimes that means a better budget. Let's see the kingdom of God come and live on your street. If you re- Let's see the kingdom of God come into a church. If we really want it, who knows, we got to get out of the way and say, Lord, thank you for a front, seat row, front row seat on this thing where I see you and I'm helpful in the process of doing everything that you've called me to be. Somebody shout walk it this morning. I want to remind you today, if you are a believer, you, you have some really good seats. I want to remind you today that you're a believer and maybe maybe even yesterday you really feel like you messed something up in God. L- listen to this and some of you it's going to turn your stomach. Can I tell you this morning you have some really really good seats. Oh no way Brian, they sin, nosebleed, get out on the parking lot. And and that's how the Lord says he deals with us. Where? Not vague scriptures things connected to other scriptures. The one thing that I am thankful for, and I am not saying that I cannot become a reprobate and have a stone cold heart to the things of God, but I hope and I pray that I never get there. Amen, church? But the one thing that that, that I have that no other world religion has is a confidence that when I take my last breath, as Miss Barbara Huff did, that I am going to be in the arms of Jesus on the other side of eternity. Not by works of righteousness. Not because I lived my whole life and messed up once and God said, okay. Because of his grace and mercy applied to my life on the other end of eternity, God Almighty gets to be the judge of that, sir. And ma'am, not out of my own merit, I want to remind you, you're going somewhere in Christ. You're seated somewhere in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 7, just a few more minutes. Verse 7, Ephesians chapter 2. Do you have that in the back? I have it here. I can read it. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. Some of us should underline that and circle that because you've never had a view that God's been kind to you. And it's unscriptural. He's, he's got these exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And Paul has to say it again. He had to say it again for me. For by grace, Brian, you have been saved through faith. And he had to say this again for, for BK, for this guy right here. And not of yourselves. It's for all the worker bees. Surely there's something I can do to earn this. No. Why? Because it is a gift. Who has ever been given a gift with strings attached? That is the most miserable gift to ever have. Like when you got those ticket upgrades and you shouldn't have been sitting where you were. We're just role playing right here. And somebody calls you up because they see you experience. Hey, do you remember when I... Remember when I, those, t- there's no way you, there's no way you and Ty could have, do you remember? Why do we get so stuck on salvation being a gift and a gift alone? At what point does God say, okay, here's the deal. It's 99.9 gift, but then part of this thing has to be earned. Nowhere. It is a gift of God. It is a gift that he gave freely. And, and might I say out of his kindness towards us. Has God ever given a gift in wrath? Well, I'm going to save you, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to save you, but I don't like you. What would it be like for somebody to come up and say, hey, I'm going to give you a gift. Hey, here's a gift, Madison. I want to give you this gift, but I don't like you. Here's the gift. Here's the gift. I'm going to give you the gift. And and here's the deal. I'm going to give you the gift, but, but I'm going to be mean to you. 
I'm going to give you the gift, but the only side you're going to see post-gift is my wrath and my judgment. It's a gift. Somebody say it's a gift. So stop trying to earn what the Lord has freely provided through faith, not of ourselves, but it is a gift. And then Paul has to tell us why. He had to do this for me too. And he had to do this for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, and this is why it can't be of works. Least anyone should boast. Even very spiritually gifted matriarchs, patriarchs of the faith, if they could own, earn their own way, human nature, carnality, past moments would cause them to boast on what they did to get it. I don't care how spiritual you are. One of the most dangerous places you can be is start comparing your story to somebody else's story that I didn't do that. I did this, so I got that. You got what everybody else got. You got an extension of his grace, love, and mercy. And when you were with sin, Christ died for you. He rescued you. He pulled you out. So this is what we need to be in that moment. We need to teach scripture, yes and amen, but we need to be great models of scripture. And then we we need to be patient with people. You're like, Brian, I want to be patient with my kid, but for six months they've been unsaved. They won't go to church. They won't get online and watch a sermon. I send them worship music. They won't listen to it. Are you not thankful that the Lord is so long-suffering? So I can't put in a category over here of if you check all these boxes, then the Lord will, yes, the word of God will soften your heart. Yes, worship music will soften your heart because you're renewing your mind and it changes your spirit. But I can't force you to do that. It's going to be the love of the father that led him to yourself or, or that he led him, you to himself. It, it was the kindness of the Lord. It, Paul says, I... It, it's a gift from God. It's not of works, least anyone should boast. It's beautiful. He says in the coming ages or in the ages to come, we haven't seen this yet, so we will. I believe that Barbara has been able to peek into this, but, but not fully yet. There, there's still some processes in that too. I love it when new saints go home to be with the Lord. I was thinking of it yesterday. I'm like, she is peeking into what my heart ultimately longs to be at. Although my wrestle is the same, I want to stay here as long as I can, but one day I will be with him. And is that not going to be a remarkable experience? And we try to say we know what it's like, but we really don't to, until we can walk in it. But I'm thankful that of this is Barbara was confident that she was going to be with Jesus. So I love it because we're not there yet, but she is today. And so is Brother George on the other side of eternity that we prayed for for so many years. And the Lord softened his heart and brought him into the fold. Do you remember that day? It's wonderful to even think conversations they might be having today. I don't want to theologicalize this stuff, but it's, it's amazing to think about. But in this passage, it says, in the ages to come, that is not in this age, we will transcend into this age. In the ages to come, his exceeding riches, cattle on a thousand hill type stuff, his exceeding riches will be displayed So let me say this. These are interconnected. He has seated you at a place because he's going to display you at a place. This is scriptural. Watch this. His exceeding riches will be displayed by his kindness toward you. I don't know why we get hung up on God being mad with us, God judging us. Let me say this, or God's wrath If God's wrath is being poured out on you, that means you wouldn't turn your heart toward him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just living under God's wrath. Well, why don't you say, Lord, forgive me. I fall face down in your presence. Because Ephesians 2 gives us a different story. And the Bible teaches this. It's it's a process. Sometimes we've got to undo some things. It was his kindness that led you to repentance. You told me that when we sung scripture as a kid, right? We piped it through these speakers. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance, oh Lord. You told me that. 
you only told me scripture. It was not the wrath of God that led me to repentance. If I was under the wrath of God, I'm under the severe judgment of the Lord. It was, it was his kindness towards me. It's his kindness towards you. You're not going to bring somebody in based on trying to make people think God is mad at them and the wrath of God is going to be poured out on their life. What you want to help them do is open their heart up to the kindness of the father. I don't know, Brian. I just, it wasn't preached to me that God was kind. I'm sorry. He is a very kind God. Look at where you used to be and where you're at and what you deserve in between. He's very kind. And it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And Paul will again remind us out of this that he is kind to us, that this kindness is, is out of grace and it is not of, out of our works. If so, I would have an opportunity to boast about it. God's gift is not salvation earned. God's gift is salvation received. Everybody take a deep breath and just let it out. Isn't that nice? You know who put that breath in you? God. And from the beginning of time, I'm going to unpack a scripture. He did this. I didn't do it. He just set my story up from his word. God did not put breath in you so that he could stare over you as the bara or the breath of God came in you and you became, because he, the animals we also see created and they're breathing. But when he breathed in you, he breathed mind, body, spirit, soul. And they became a living being. You are the one thing on this planet. We talked about it last week. I'll use the phraseology again. I know we're pretty close to lunch. You fill in the blank. A dog returns to its what? A human that has not renewed their mind will return to the thing that it once left, even under great moves of God. If it's on your own ability, sir, you will find yourself possibly stuck again. I believe the Lord can wholeheartedly deliver, but we are the one thing that he breathed into that there was an accountability not to return to the thing he brought us out of. I can never, I guess I could spend my life trying to train my dog, but what would be the point? It's, it's dog nature. It's why you don't have an elephant as a, as a house pet. You might have a feline running around or a dog or you tried that for another and you're like, forget it. You even had a goldfish and it wouldn't live. It's why you don't have a giraffe. You don't, no, nobody has a barn in the back with a giraffe in it. Hey, come. It's just not, it's, it's way beyond just natural. But Christ created you, breathed in you, stepped away to watch over you and hoped that you would find yourself to him knowing that sin would separate you. And knew Romans 12, 2 would be part of that regeneration of I've got to renew this thing. I am accountable. I can't keep returning to the thing that the Lord has brought me out of. Ephesians 2, 10 will end with this scripture verse, for we are his workmanship. I like that today. I said it a few times in my office before I came out. I'm, I'm your workmanship, Lord. And it felt good each time I said it. I'm your workmanship. With my spiked hair and my pineapple shirt today, I'm your workmanship. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This word workmanship comes from a Greek word called poiema. It means this, a thing that is made. You're like, that doesn't sound so brilliant. So I'm a thing that is, oh, you better believe you're a thing that is made, but you're not just a thing that is made by the artisan. You're a thing that is made by the master's hand. It makes you, in this terminology, a masterpiece. Husbands, look at your wives right now and say, I'm a masterpiece. If you have a friend in the room, look at them and say, I'm a masterpiece. If you have an enemy in the room, tell them you're a masterpiece today. I am a masterpiece. I, I want to say this this morning. Merrimack Heights Church, you're something. You are something. Some of you are like, I don't feel it. Doesn't matter. 
Brian, it feels like a long time since I've accomplished something big for God. Folks, I've learned just sometimes getting out of bed, having some koinonia and time with the Lord, spending some time in the word, having a cup of coffee. I find sometimes that's the biggest deal of my day. Are are we trying to earn big deal moments with God? He's like, okay, more grace for them because they've done so much. No, just poema. I am am a masterpiece to God. You've heard this before, but I think it's worth stating again that after he made you with your fingerprints, did you know he threw that mold away? There is no prototype. You're it. I, I like to look at it this way, not pridefully, but the Lord working in me and through me, I like to look at it this way for myself and you. You're too good for him to make another you. Shall we say it this way? The world can't handle two of you. In a good way. The more mass produced, the least something is worth. That's why I have a baseball card that is worth a decent amount of money because it was not mass produced. Not a whole lot of people have it. Several do, but less have it, so it's worth more. Do you know you weren't mass produced? If you're a twin, you're not mass produced. Different fingerprints. You're a big deal to God. You're not only an amazing work of God, a trophy, one that he is seated with him in heavenly places, at one point he will display you. And I know some of us are so worried about this. We're worried that, oh my, what's this going to look like? What's it going to feel like? And I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you that he seated you in good places in the Father and with the Father, and his heart and propensity is to be kind for you. What would the purpose be of creating something just to have these wrath moments? Remember that God is going to, at some point, put us on display before the Father and the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us will be identified. And we might, in heaven, do a big inhale and exhale. We might say, yes, I made it. There were days that I wondered but I'm thankful that I made it. He created you to be kind to you. He created you for good works. Can I also say that since he created you not to be mean to you, he didn't create you for you to be mean and rude to others? Do you know that Christians should be the most kind people on planet earth in every endeavor of their life? Some of us might need to work on that. He didn't create you to... Just kind of hope that you drag through life down here. Although some of us will have very different lives. Some will be looked at in their lives with very blessed. They had minimal health issues, minimal financial issues, minimal this. We don't know everything that they walk through, but in comparison, it's like I just, some of us think that God just kind of created us to drag us through life down here. Let me also say this for the saints of God that are looking for their heavenly heavenly reward as Miss Barbara has stepped into. God also didn't create you for life to be a bummer on earth only for a joy of heaven one day. That is not how the Lord, I'm thankful that I'll be in heaven one day, but I'm sure thankful for the day that I have today and hopefully tomorrow, should the Lord allow. I'm thankful today that I understand more than ever in my life. And please tell me the older we get, the more we have this understanding. I'm thankful that my process and my outlook on life is not that God created me, boom. I became a living being, boom. And now he's watching for that mess up. I think he's actually co-laboring with me for me to really live solid down here and do great things for the Lord. I think that's more what his word says. He's created a masterpiece. He's planned on being kind to us. He created a work for you to walk in. My questions are this today. Are you walking in what he's created for you? Are you living in such a way that when you give a report over the thing that he asked you to walk in, can you give that with confidence because he, you did exactly what he told you to do with his help and through a lot of forgiveness. Are you being faithful and fruitful to the call? It's not, it's not this, 
this moment in life, and, and this is what I love about it, as I look at Ephesians 2, the, the entire chapter, this moment was not created once I became better. This moment was created beforehand, the Bible says, meaning that he was hoping that I would find him, he was hoping that I would connect to the gift, and he was hoping that I would walk in it. Bow your heads with me this morning. What is it, if anything, that you are waiting on? He's created good works for you. He's got a great plan for you. What is it that, that you're waiting on? Are you waiting? Because I've been there before. I've been there before. Are you waiting for the perfect situation? If, if the perfect situation will line up and I feel really good about it, I'll step out into the work. Because this is the other thing that I've learned. If the perfect situation arises and God's called me to it, an imperfect vessel will be attached to what I've called the perfect situation. I'll launch into it and then I will see down the road, I'm really not worthy, God. How am I gonna walk with this? Are you waiting for the perfect situation? Are you waiting for everything to walk in the goodness of what he has for you? Are you waiting for everything to be convenient and spelled out for you? And if it's convenient and spelled out for you, then you'll do it. As I look at the life and the pattern of Jesus, not everything was convenient and not everything was spelled out. If we go all the way back in the early Old Testament, we will see people that were under some of the most inconvenient situations. And God said, stretch, trust. To walk in the goodness, being quickened and and raising up out of the bad things, the bad deeds and into life in Christ Jesus. Are you waiting for the validation of others? If others think I'm good enough, if others think I'm prepared enough, if others think I'll be successful at this, that, or the other. I've, I've tried that. Trying to get an outside force to validate what God's put in my heart. I'm not saying that we should not have counsel. I'm not saying that we should not have some things that are going on in our life, that we've got some gifting, giftings in, all this. I get all that. But I'm saying don't try to get man to validate what only God can. All throughout history, man has attached to a God that validated him when people were against him or her, but they walked out the plan. Are you waiting to walk in that newness of life in that thing that was prepared before, be, beforehand in the good works of the Father? Are you waiting to be gifted enough or bright enough? This is really where the, the Greek culture came in because they were, they were taught, be good at oratory, be good at this, be good at that, be good. Or are you doing this strictly out of the grace of miraculous power of God that quickened you, resurrected you, seated you in a place of his glory that you don't deserve to be in and you know it. Said you had a stake in it on earth, but my kindness exceedingly towards you will be revealed in the age to come. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is his kindness that causes us to step out and be great in him at everything that we can in what he's called us to be. It is his kindness that speaks speaks to us on the days that we plummet and we feel like we could have done better. It is his kindness that says, get back up again. Let's walk it. But let's fulfill it.